BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You guys have been complaining to me about the dating apps and what you're dealing with right now with them just not being good. But I bet you, you have not tried Match. Do you do you? Because Match believes the most important relationship is with yourself. So in a world where you can choose to do anything or anyone, choose you first. Because dating someone who knows what they want and won't settle for less, that's sexy as hell. If you haven't downloaded Match yet, I don't know what you're doing. Match is one of the best dating apps in the game, and it's been around for a while, so they know what they're doing. And right now, they're doing this campaign, which I love because it's all about you putting you first, being your own best friend with benefits. You know, like this season, you shouldn't be going out with anyone unless you like them more than you like being alone. And that takes a lot. So if you do you, you already know the best relationships show up when you show up for yourself first. There has never been a better time to try Match. Download the Match app today and be your own boo, you know? Like, oh, also Halloween is like tomorrow. So boo, it's time to download Match and be your own boo. Do you and download the Match app today. And I'm very excited to hear what you think. Slide into my DMs and tell me how you're loving Match. And happy almost Halloween. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I can't believe this year we celebrated five years of We Met at Acme. It's so insane. I am truly shocked because I feel like it's been 15 years but I also feel like it's been a year at the same time. And because we're celebrating five years and you know I love my five, four ways to blah, 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 we're going to change it to five today. And I'm going to share five things I've learned in the five years that I've had We Met at Acme. And at first, when I was making this list, I made it about friendship. I made it about drinking. I made it about all these things. And then I was like, wait a second, this is a dating podcast. So I nixed all of the things that didn't have to do with dating and I just narrowed it down to my five dating things that I've learned in the or relationship things that I've learned in the past five years of having We Met at Acme. Also, what's so crazy and actually blows my mind is that in the past, in the five years that We Met at Acme has been alive, so like since October 2017, I have not taken a week off, meaning there has been an episode 
every Sunday for the past five years. That is insane. That's a shit ton of episodes. And we also recently hit 6 million downloads. So thank you guys for for that. I mean, that's fucking awesome and really keeps me going, truly, because it has been a seasonally depressed month. So I'm really appreciative of you. Anyway, let's get right into these. Oh, someone's calling me and like, don't they know that I'm recording right now? God. Okay. Number one, you need to set your partner up to win. I have told you this so many times. I learned this on this podcast as all of these. And I was like, mind blown from this. It's so simple, right? But it's so powerful. It's like, and it all began when someone I think had complained because their significant other didn't bring a gift when they were going to their parents' house for the first time. And, you know, obviously some of us are like cringe, like they should have brought a gift. Like that's a red flag strike against them. And like, yeah, yeah, they should have, you know, but when you set your partner up to win, you can gently say something like, by the way, my mom loves tulips for tonight. You know, it's not saying like, you better bring a gift tonight. Don't fuck it up, you know, but it's nudging them, helping your partner in the right direction of doing well. And why wouldn't we want our partner to do well? We set them up to win. Number two, if you have doubts, they're not the right person. This one is controversial because a lot of people think if you have doubts, they're still the right person. And a lot of people have doubts and, you know, some people have anxiety and and all this stuff. And even friends of mine with the most anxiety ever didn't have doubts about their partner if they were the one. You know, friends of mine who might maybe not be in the best relationship have had doubts probably. But I'm telling you, there's so many things that you should be doubting in the world. If your partner is the right person for you is not the thing that you should doubt at least in like the first few years of dating this person, right? Like when you're, you have no struggles yet, you aren't married, you don't have kids. Where's the doubt coming from? Things should be amazing. Like this, you should be 100,000% confident that this is your person because it's the most important decision you could ever make. Number three, treat your partner like you would treat a best friend other than the sex stuff, obviously. Because sometimes when we're yelling at our partner or pissed off at a partner or want to strangle them, whatever, think about what you would do with your best friend in this situation. We're likely really, really kind to our best friend all the time, I'd hope, right? And sometimes we forget that our partner deserves the same kindness just because they're someone who, you know, signed a marriage contract or a lease with you or agreed to be your boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't mean that they're your punching bag. You should treat them like you treat a best friend. And I promise you, your relationship will be much better as a result. Like, it's so funny. I feel like sex even happens more when I'm nicer to my partner. Like everything happens more when you treat them really well. Number four, if they don't make you laugh or if you're not laughing together, you're in the wrong relationship. This is just the cold hard facts. 
like so many people would be like, oh, everything's perfect, but he's like not that funny or she's, you know, she's, I don't really laugh with her a lot or she doesn't really get my jokes. Like sense of humor is what's going to get you through everything, through marriage, through having kids, through in-laws, through the fights that you have to get back on track after those fights. If you can't break out into laughing about something, if you can't laugh at the same TikToks even, if you don't have these like inside jokes or this kind of this, what's the word for it? Ah, the word is shtick. If you don't have shtick with your partner and shtick is actually um, a Yiddish word, by the way, that means like theater play or like a piece, a thing. It's kind of like that play that you have with your partner, that like jokiness that you have between the two of you. If you don't have that, if you don't have that rapport, like that's not, that's not your man's, that's not your girl's, your woman's. Um, And then number five, being right is not as important as both people feeling respected and heard. For me, this means say sorry. Like get, check your ego at the door of your relationship, get over yourself and say sorry. Like I, I need to do that so much more. And so this is really a reminder for me, but it's a reminder for everyone. And it's, you know, these are the five things that I've learned in five years that have really, really helped me in my personal relationship Obviously, when I started the podcast, I was just dumped. Now I'm married. And, you know, that's not to say like, ooh, being married, you're better than everyone else. No, it's just to say that like, holy shit, I wouldn't be married if I didn't learn these things that I learned along the way. That's for fucking sure. I also wanted to remind you that we have two shows coming up. We have Austin, November 10th, and we have Chicago, December 4th. You can buy tickets, wemetatacme.com slash events. And I cannot wait. I also feel like I didn't really get to tell you about Charleston that much. And I wanted to tell you that Harborview Inn, the amazing hotel that I stayed at, is offering you guys a code for 10% off your stay. You just must book by the end of this year. So by December 31st, 2020. But you can book it like for future, you know, up until like, December 2023. The code is Metz, So L-I-N-D-Z-M-E-T-Z. You get 10% off and make sure you hit up Ginger Line, which is an amazing restaurant that I went to when I was there. But yeah, check it out. I think you're going to really love it. And I want to quickly talk about the most important thing in my life right now, which is Midnight's. I am so grateful to Taylor. She knows when we need her. She does. And she just shows up for us. And that's why I love my girl, Tay. I love the album. I'm obsessed with Maroon. I'm obsessed with Midnight Rain. I wish it was seven to 10 minutes long. Would have, could have, should have about John Mayer. I mean, what a shitty guy, right? Like, how is he not completely canceled by now? I like vigilante shit. I like Snow on the Beach. I like Antihero. I like Lavender Haze. I feel like it gets overlooked because it's the first one. But this album is... A Glitch is also amazing. This album's everything I could have ever dreamed of. I feel like we're learning a little bit more about Taylor's relationship with Joe. She definitely hints a lot about not wanting to be married, about how everyone thinks that marriage is like the ultimate goal, but she doesn't necessarily think that. 
It's very true. It's, I mean, it's very possible, right? That, that she feels this way and that she's telling us that this is why they're not married yet. I don't know. I wish I knew her personally a little bit better so I could hear more, but it's definitely on brand for like, you know, if you think of her song, The Man, like why are women so forced to have this like end goal of marriage? And like, even like I was just talking about, oh yeah, now I'm married and blah, blah, blah. Like that's just what society does to us. It makes us think that, think that like marriage is like, woo, you won. And, and it really only does that to women. Like a single man never hears about that. And so maybe Taylor's just like, fuck you. I'm not getting married because that's what you want me to do because I'm a woman. And maybe that's true. And, you know, Joe is her life partner and maybe that's good enough. And I think we should all take a page in Taylor's book. And so if you don't want to get married, you don't have to because Taylor isn't and she doesn't feel pressure to. So why should you? I am very excited for you to hear this episode with John and Vanessa. They are an awesome couple and they're very honest, which we love. They're both therapists and they have some really, really good insight on signs that you might not be with the right person on dating introverts when you're an extrovert and vice versa. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited to be here with licensed therapists, Vanessa Bennett and John Kim. Hi guys. Hey, thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. I'm excited to chat. I made a few notes. It's always great talking to therapists on the show because I feel like it validates a lot of what people are feeling and thinking and it's a great perspective to have. So before we get into it, you're not just therapists, but you're also a couple. So we usually start with how old are you guys and where are you from? Let's see. I am, wow, just right at the bat, like how old are you? I am 38. <laughs> we both live in LA now. I'm originally from New York and I, I've been out here for about six years. So dealing with the cultural the cultural shift that comes with New York to LA. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, LA my entire life. I'm 49. And what else? Well, not technically. I mean, LA from three or four on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if I, um, if I was in Korea, I'd be 50 because they count the time in your mom's stomach, which no way. Yeah. So, so I'm 49 and so I'm hovering over that 50. So I will not be going to Korea. I will not be living there. <laughs> you don't want to be a year old. I'll be visiting, but uh, not living there. Uh-huh, I love it. And how did you two meet? Blind date. Yeah. 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 The The interesting story is um, I like to tell everybody that I manifested him because I I had ended a engagement prior to moving to LA. And then I'd had a pretty short but serious relationship that had kind of cut me off at the knees maybe about six months before meeting John. And I remember telling my mom that I was only going to be dating. Like every time I did it, it was like I was dating men. I just kept narrowing my pool. I was like, okay, now not only do they have to have done their own therapy, but I swear to God from now on, I'm only dating therapists. And she was like, I feel like your pool, (laughs) it's going to be really tiny. And anyway, I was a friend of mine used to follow John. And for some reason or another, he posted something that kind of intrigued me. I had never really paid attention until that point. And for whatever reason that that day I did, and I went in and I kind of did a little light Instagram stalking as we do. And I remember I sent it to my girlfriend and I said, you know, he appears to be single. He lives in LA. I find him very attractive. We have a mutual friend. And I said, I'm going to date this guy. 
And she was like, okay, you know, he has like, I don't know, 70,000 followers at the time. And I was like, no, I'm going to date him. And I just had this weird, very like straightforward knowing. And um, so the friend and I caught up like later that week and I was going to ask him to hook it up and play kind of Cupid. And before I ever even got the chance out of nowhere, this friend said, I have this friend that I feel like you'd really get along with. And I was like, oh, and no way. Yeah, it just kind of happened from there. So it, it felt a little bit like it was bigger than me because I had this moment where I was like, this is going to happen. And then the friend just said it without me ever having to bring John up. So that's that's my version of what happened. John didn't actually know that side of the story for like a year into dating because yeah. I was like, I don't want him to think I'm some weird fangirl. I really wasn't, but I was uh-huh. worried he would think that. But then when you were on your quote unquote blind date, did you reveal that you knew anything about him or were you like totally playing it cool? Nope, no, for a year I didn't tell him. She played <laughs> very coy. Yeah. And still does. I don't even know if she's attracted to me. It's been five years. I don't know what she thinks about me. I know that I'm a lot shorter than I appear on social media. So I don't know. I just assume she likes me, but I I don't know. She doesn't tell me these things. It's not her love language. Lies. (laughs) Wait, so speaking of love languages, I have to know when are your birthdays? Mine is May 13th. So I'm a Taurus through and through. Yeah, I'm an Aries. He's he's an April baby. Are, Are you big on astrology? I'm into it. Yeah. I'm definitely into it. I love that you guys aren't typically compatible signs. Yeah. That must mean that like the rest of your charts are aligned in a lot of ways. Nope. I don't know. Have you ever? No. Nope. The rest of our chart, Stop. actually, every aspect of our chart is almost the opposite, like very misaligned, except for kind of greater purpose, service, career, work. We are like perfectly aligned, but we didn't let that stop us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is why our book is called, it's not me, it's you. It's like, we're, you know, um, and I, and I kind of feel like we're meant to collide because that's where you can really learn about each other is yeah. when um, things are difficult, there's conflict, you're not used to this type of love or person. So then uh, you have the opportunity to to grow and stretch. Yeah. Use that mirror. Yeah. I mean, and even I love that. because you're into it. I'll, I'll even say, Lindsay, you know, for me, it was such an aha moment. Like when I realized, um, so John's moon is in Cancer mm-hmm. and my moon is in Libra. And even that in oh. itself was such like an aha, like, oh God, it all makes so much sense now. Mm-hmm. It'd be really helpful. That's so interesting because I'm a Libra dating a Cancer mm-hmm. and we're also not typically compatible. Mm-hmm. And I had an astrologer on an episode and he actually talked like the whole time about why you should date a sign you're not compatible with. Oh, I love oh, that. And I like that. you guys basically just kind of hit the nail on the head. Like you learn so much, you challenge yourself, mm-hmm. you you just grow in such a different way than kind of just like like more of the same. So I love that. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people exactly. don't want that, right? Like a lot of people do want that comfort. A lot of people feel like that is what love should look like or feel like, you know, that it shouldn't be a challenge, that it shouldn't be that this person challenges you to grow and to look inward, which is so much of what we talk about in our work, but also in our book is like, that's that's not, I mean, it's like this idea that we say happily ever after is bullshit. It's like, we have to start challenging some of these kind of toxic norms, you know, these ideas that we have about love and relationships, because clearly they're not getting many of us very far, you know? Yeah, it's so true. And also that's like with friends too. Like Mm -hmm. some people want like yes friends around them. 
And then some people want friends who call them out and like are not just going with whatever they do. And I feel like that's similar to relationships in a lot of ways. Yeah, agreed. As I mentioned, I am having a seasonally depressed month. It's been hard for me and I'm just not feeling like myself. My mental health is not as great as it was in the summer when I was getting my vitamin D and I'm just, yeah, I'm not feeling great. And so thank God I have my therapist still. Thank God I can text my therapist 24 seven. I just, I really don't know what I would do without therapy. And I wholeheartedly recommend Talkspace for therapy. You can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. You can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist. So it's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions from the comfort of your home, especially during a month like October, where it's been raining literally all month. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties, including depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, relationship issues, food and eating, and so much more. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off of your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com and make sure to use the code ACME to get $100 off of your first month and to show your support for the show. That's code ACME and Talkspace.com. You should talk to someone, truly. Don't hold it in. Somebody is there for you. Go to Talkspace.com and use promo code ACME. Hey, girl. Hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. Speaking of you guys and your differences, I have been listening to to John, to your podcast a bit and to episodes with, with the two of you. And I listened to one where I found out that Vanessa, you're an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And John, you're an introvert. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's so interesting when an extrovert and an introvert and an introvert are dating, especially for the extrovert. Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk about just what that's like and kind of when you had the realization that you were different in that way. I mean, I think we realized pretty early on, right? I mean, at least I did. I, I actually have an exact memory of the moment that I realized what that difference was. What was the moment? We were at a friend's kid's birthday party. And we'd only been dating for, I don't know, maybe a few months at the time, but we were all kind of standing around in a circle. And I realized that my, well, I mean, this might be extroversion coupled with my codependency, (laughs) but it's like my normal tendency as the extroverted codependent is to be like, are you okay? Are you okay? You good? You okay? When that person, especially a partner is like quiet, you know, not really engaging in the group dynamic, looks a little maybe upset from like what I'm reading on their face, maybe disappears, right? Like maybe like totally removes themselves from the dynamic. And I, I caught myself thinking that or wanting to be like, are you okay? Are you okay? Because he was doing just that, everything I listed. 
And I I remember that moment so clearly because it was number one, a moment where I actually challenged myself for the first time ever to not do that and just remind myself like, he's fine. He's a grown up. If something's wrong, he can tell you, you don't need to caretake, right? Which is my kind of pattern up until I would say this relationship, even though it's still a pattern, but also realizing like, oh shit, I'm so extroverted. And he's not like super introverted, but enough where when he doesn't know the people, you for sure can tell he's introverted, right? He's not like me. Like I can walk into a room of complete strangers and have conversations for hours, you know, and that's just not how John is. And so I remember that, that moment. It's, it's a struggle, I think, from the extroverted side. I don't, I don't know that it's as much of a struggle for you. Yeah. I can be very extroverted, but at the end of the day, I I am introverted. You can be an outgoing introvert when necessary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But my default is, you know, the deep furrows. I call these Marky Marks. He's got deep ones too. (laughs) The very pensive (laughs) people who don't know me, like at the gym and stuff, just think I'm, I'm a dick. And, um, it's because I'm just kind of, I don't, I'm a, I'm a sniper and Vanessa's a shotgun in that when we talk, I kind of pick and choose what I want to say. Vanessa can enter rooms and just start conversations. Right. So yeah, I'm not talkative. I'm working on that. I'm trying to make more eye contact and smile, but I think part of it is just Los Angeles, you know, in here we live in bubbles and we put we don't like make eye contact. You know, we're looking at the sidewalk. Uh, Vanessa's from New York where people are on top of each other and people talk, they say what they mean. Lots of conversations and all that. So. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's a little bit of like a Northeastern cultural difference, right? Like the Northeast, it's got that kind of hard edge that like talk on top of each other to be heard. And that's my family dynamic too. But mm-hmm. but I think you're right, Lindsay. I do think there's something. I'm glad that you said that because I've had this conversation pretty recently, actually, with some people coming out of COVID where I had a conversation with another friend who's a therapist. And I said, you know... For the most part, I think extroverts are usually those friends that tend to, on the outside, seem like they're fine because, you know, we're good in social situations and we can Mm -hmm. be talkative. And, but I think COVID was a lot harder on extroverts than anybody really wants to talk about or, or think about in a deep way, right? In a serious way. And I realized like how hard that was on me. I, I begged a friend to come with me to see live music, who's an introvert. And I like got choked up. I was like, please. Please, I just I need to go see music, you know. And yeah. I had that moment of like, oh shit, it's been a rough couple of years for extroverts. It really has. It really has. And like people need to be checking on their extrovert friends mm-hmm. a lot more than they realize. But I'm curious, like from both perspectives, I feel like I, so I consider myself an extrovert, sometimes like an ambivert, mm-hmm, depending, same. but an extrovert. And I've struggled when dating introverts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe I, not that I don't like introverts, because I, of course, like I do, and I have so many introverted friends, but I almost am like insecure when I date an introvert because it's different from me because I'm like, oh, this person isn't talking with my family. Like my family, is there, are they going to like this person? And I wonder sometimes if, if introverts have almost opposite thoughts, like, oh, this person won't shut up is my family going to like this person or, you know, am I embarrassed by this person when I go to a restaurant maybe? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if, if you guys ever have those thoughts about like the other person. I mean, yeah, for sure. 
I think a little bit on both sides, you know, I mean, it doesn't annoy me. So one moment I remember was we were at a party and Vanessa had made, I didn't even, I haven't told you this. Oh God, here we go. I hope this doesn't turn into a fight. (laughs) Vanessa made some kind of alcoholic beverage in a giant container of some kind of punch or something. And she brought that to the party. And I remember the host of the party was like, oh, that tastes great. And I could tell she just said it as kind of a handshake. Vanessa and I were kind of new dating at the time. And so as an extrovert, Vanessa said, oh, thank you. Well, let me tell you what's in it. It's rum. It's rum. And I could tell that the the host wasn't like asking for that. So it was kind of like awkward. And I was thinking to myself, I was thinking to myself, she, she, she said that because it probably did taste good, but she didn't need to know the recipe and all of that. And I thought, oh, this is the extrovert in Vanessa because the introvert w- would have just said, oh, thank you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I remember actually, that from a party. Yeah. Early days yeah. is kind of like my mm-hmm. one of my early memories. Like, oh, we're different. I think you nailed it on the head, though, Lindsay, because I, I feel like not even early days. I mean, I there's been experiences more recently. And a lot of this is me trying to self-soothe a little bit, I suppose, because to your point, it does make me insecure. I, I feel like if I really thought about it, if I think about it, I've dated a mix in my history of like extroverts, mm-hmm. not as many introverts. I think John might be the first, at least the most introverted that I've dated. And he's not even that introverted. But, you know, I've had exes where we'll go to parties and we just kind of break off and we're both like blah, 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 in our own little bubbles. And then we like meet up and give each other a kiss. And then we break off again and we go off and do our own thing. And that's not really my experience with John, but I have found myself being self-conscious when, especially if I know the people. And so I'm even then more chatty. And then John's doing the thing where he's not really talking or he's kind of pulled inward. And we've actually had conversations coming home from dinners where I'm like, it feels a little bit like you're judging me. And I don't know that that's Mm. really the experience of what's going on for him, but that's how it is for me. It feels like you're judging me or it feels like you don't like my friends or it feels like you don't want to be there. Right. And so that can bring up a lot of struggle I think, my, if you're yeah. not having those conversations and my response to her is i'm not i'm not judging her at all i'm just observing yeah um, but it's a lot of times if you're surrounded by extroverts it's hard to get a, a word in because they don't they don't <laughs> yeah, use periods fair, fair. right so they they're <laughs> mm-hmm. basically but like fair <laughs> look so i just i can't even finish my sentence she's she, so like and so that's just one person if you have two or three in a room and you're eating yeah i mean people are hitting the ball back so fast you just become a spectator, right? And so unless I have something, because I'm going to have to interrupt, unless I have something really important to say, I just kind of sit back and suddenly I'm in in the bleachers. Dak Shepard said once in his podcast that he had a party once and it was Kristen's party, his wife, Kristen Bell, and she was missing and he was looking all over for her and he found her in her bedroom reading a book. (laughs) And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? This is your party. These are your friends. I needed to, and I could relate to Kristen Bell. I could done that. I could be at a party (laughs) and pull what I call a Korean exit, and well, I could just completely leave the party without saying bye. But I could go do, you know, give myself a break or go into the closet room or do something, and not have to socialize for the entire, you know, six hours. Blows my mind. We had a party once where he, I couldn't find him, and they're at our, and you know, we're in an apartment, it's not a small or a big place, and I didn't know where he was, and I found him in the bedroom napping. I was like, oh my what God. Happening? That's so funny. But and if I like, woke up both... from that nap, then I would be, you know, at my potential. I would be fully charged and ready <laughs> to go. So it was for the, right, for, right. for the guests that I took a nap. It was for the greater good. Yeah. I have been feeling all out of whack during this really dreary kind of week. And the one thing that kind of keeps me normal and leveled 
is sticking to a routine. So I've been doing my Pilates in the morning and then right after Pilates, I make myself athletic greens. It's so easy to make just one scoop of athletic greens and a little bit of water. I put some ice in mine too, and then I shake it up and I drink it and it tastes good. Like on its own, it tastes good. It looks green. It doesn't look like it's going to taste good, but it really does. And with one scoop of athletic greens, you absorb 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right, which is really, really amazing. Plus, it's lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes good. It also helps with your sleep quality and recovery, which I know I really need. I have not been sleeping well and Athletic Greens has been helping me. If I skip a day, I can notice it. It also supports mental clarity and alertness, and it's really the best. There's a reason that it has as many reviews as it has online because it really does do all of those amazing things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into this flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Acme. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Acme to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I love hearing both of your perspectives. And as someone who can sometimes be both, I've had kind of both experiences. Like my dad is such an extrovert. Like he is like the most extroverted extrovert. And he's the kind of guy who will like tell the waiter about his day mm-hmm. when the waiter's like, so what are you, right. what are you my thinking right. for the menu? Right. He's like, he's like, oh, well, you know, it was a long day and yes. you know, my, my daughter, she won an award. How cool is that? And, and I'm like cringing. Cause I'm like, this waiter doesn't care. Yeah. About he your just day. wants your drink like, order. I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like make right. his life easier. But then I, on the other hand, like in a past relationship, I'm Jewish. And so that's also like a very, most of the time, like, extroverted culture of just like, we're all just yelling and talking a lot. And I've dated someone in the past who like, when we would run into someone that like, we know would just like stand there and not engage and like not be warm. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, so upset by that because I was like, I was more insecure about what other people thought about him being an introvert, not understanding the ins and outs of being an introvert versus an extrovert and thinking that he, um, and Vanessa, you mentioned this, like thinking that he hated them or thinking that he wasn't interested in their lives. And I remember being frustrated. I was like, I wish he was just going to ask them questions, you know, but yeah, but like you just have to, and John, I'm curious, like what you would do in that situation. Like I, I just have to accept that like, that's like, he's just observing and that's his way of getting to know these people. Right. 
Yeah. When you said, I just wish she would, or mm-hmm. I just wish she was, or mm-hmm. I think those are all, dang- I mean, we all are guilty of, of those, those kind of, you know, wishes, but I think that's when we can fall into the, the danger zone with wanting your partner to be someone else or to mm-hmm. act a different right. way. The reason why this has lasted five years is because at least on my side, knowing that we are different in, in basically almost every way, and then accepting who she is. Practicing to accept. Practicing to accept. (laughs) Also knowing her story and that she has an insecurity of always having to be like turned down or that she's too much, right? So being compassionate and sensitive to that and embracing and and accepting. So like going back to that moment at the party, I didn't say anything to her because that's who she is. And if she wants to to shout the uh, tropical punch recipe to the entire crowd Mm -hmm. and no one wants to hear it, that's her. You know, A, it's not my battle and B, I don't want to change her. I shouldn't. I shouldn't change her because it would be unfair for me to say, hey, Vanessa, like no one wants to know about your recipe, you know, like because then I'm turning her down. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. And the world's going to tell her. Right. If everyone throws eggs at her, that's her journey. That's what that's her learning. It's I'm not I shouldn't be getting in the way of that. You know, what I just thought about is when I have seen that's such a fair point, John. And I the only time I've actually seen within like a close circle or family it be interesting is because my sister is super introverted. I mean, almost like painfully so. She's barely alive. <laughs> and, and she's also 21. So she's like on that, you know, on that cusp of age too, where you're just like, can you come out of your room and engage with us? But mm-hmm. to watch John and her, like the first few years that we were together, oh my God, it was like pulling teeth to get these two to engage with each other. And it was so hard because John is important to me and my sister is important to me. And I would get them in a room together and it would be like, nobody's talking, yeah, nobody's yeah, but, engaging. Yeah, but that's based on your definition of how we should be. No, I agree. Right. That's why I'm saying right. it. And so it was mm-hmm. so hard for me because it's like, I just wanted them to engage or wanted them to feel like they were connecting in some way because I had these two important people in my life. And it did get to the point where John sidebar basically told me he didn't think in so many words, like doesn't think my sister likes him or like appreciates him or respects him or whatever. And my sister kind of feels the same way. And I'm like, y'all, this is because you guys just don't talk to each other. <laughs> like if you guys would just engage, you would realize you both like each other, just neither of you talk, right? So there is there is something to be said too for I think we need the extroverts sometimes to actually like push yeah. you to be like, hey, why don't you mm-hmm. talk? Why don't you have a conversation? <laughs> I don't totally. think I never thought she didn't like me and I accepted that she was an introvert. I also feel like if we're both sitting in front of each other like we're playing chess, but there is no chessboard and we're just kind of staring at each other, <laughs> so that's that's uncomfortable for her, which is her own shit. But yeah. for me, if I'm cool with it and 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 that person's cool with it, then that's our experience. Like yeah. why must there be a word exchange? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. But I will say like now being married to another extrovert like it is a it's a little bit easier but but now the battle is like which one of us could be more extroverted like oh we're (laughs) at the party like which one of us can talk to people without needing the other person you know what i mean like with two extroverts yeah Yeah, exactly exactly and then another thing that i wanted to talk to you guys about um john i was listening to an episode where you the episode was called signs you might be dating the wrong person and and i wrote down the three signs and i wanted to go over them because i think a lot of people 
you know, they question their relationship often. And I think, and I know people, you know, I'm 32 and I feel like there are some people in my life who, you know, have been married for a little while and are like, are we moving forward or like, should we start having kids and be together? And is this the right person for me or is now the time to get out, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and change up the trajectory. And so I want to go over those signs. The first one was it's explosive. So I want to let you kind of explain in your own therapist words what that means if it's explosive. Um, That it's not safe, that uh, there's conflict. You don't feel safe to be yourself or express yourself and your concerns with the partner. So the space is toxic, right? So people are reacting. In our new book, we talk about trying to understand before trying to be understood. That's not happening. So you have two people just trying to be understood, holding on to that tug of war rope, the magnets flip, feelings are hurt, and that's not sustainable. So mm-hmm. that is a sign because it's not about how many times we fight. It's about how we fight. Every relationship is going to have conflict, no matter how good it is, right? And if there isn't conflict, people are lying mm-hmm. or you're in the honeymoon phase. Somebody's not showing them. <laughs> Shit thoughts. hasn't gotten real yet. Mm-hmm. Well, that leads to the second one, which is if there's no fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the best can answer that one. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear because I have couples in my life who don't fight and I am definitely, maybe it's an extrovert, you know, just kind of who I am, but I definitely say how I feel mm-hmm. a lot. And I don't want to say have fights, but I am not afraid to argue with my partner yeah. if I have a feeling come up. And it does, it does bring us closer, but I know so many couples who don't fight and I'm confused by it. Yeah. So I'm curious what you think, Vanessa. Yeah. I, I also, we also hate when people announce that they, they don't, don't fight. fight and, and I yeah. think that's a good thing because when we hear that, we think that's a red flag. As therapists, we're like, oh, right. really? Tell me more. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind of like when somebody comes to me and they say like, I don't know. My childhood was perfect. And I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, let's start there. <laughs> right. It's usually exactly. an indicator that it's not the case, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's an extroverted thing because as an extrovert, I'm actually quite opposite and that it's been a lifelong journey for me to learn how to communicate my feelings. I can talk all day, but when it comes to like vulnerable expression of you hurt my feelings this happened that upset me. Like I tend to be more on the scale of the side, like side of brush under the rug. Don't rock the boat. It's not worth it. It's not a big deal. Minimizing and essentially building resentment until the point where it does kind of explode, right? In not a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of work around that and I continue to. But what I will say is that the the way that I look at it when somebody says or, or shows that they don't fight with their partner Typically, what that means is someone is not being honest. Someone in the dynamic is playing the placator role. Someone in the dynamic is is making a point to not rock the boat. Almost always, I would never say always, but almost always, there is one person in the dynamic that is the one that's better at compartmentalizing, the one that's better at like keeping shit you know, under the rug, all of that. And the the ownership a little bit is on them to speak up, obviously, and communicate their resentment. But also the ownership on is on them of like, you're keeping the relationship in a state of inauthenticity, not only yourself, but the relationship, right? Because as you know, mm-hmm. as somebody who you just said, you have healthy conflict, it can bring you closer and you can learn so much about yourself, about your partner, about your dynamic, but you're actually not allowing that to happen. You're, you're keeping the relationship in, in a bit like hostage. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, it's true. And, but what if someone said to you, but we have nothing to fight about, Mm. you know, we like, no, I have no issues with, with them. And I feel like if I fought with them, it would just be fighting to fight, let's say. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very different. I think if you are always poking at things and causing fights when they're not necessary, that's not healthy at all. Right. I mean, look, and it could be that you guys, for the most part, are just very compatible. And there's a lot of your dynamic that just flows. And that's great. I mean, John and I, what we were talking about earlier with our, our signs being different, like that's not usually the case. We're actually a pretty easygoing couple. I mean, we have like our couple things like most couples do. We're like, that's your area that you tend to kind of revisit over and over again, right? Like the Gottmans always say, every relationship will have one thing that never gets resolved. And you just have to learn how to communicate about it, but understand that you're not there to fix it because it won't ever be fixed. We know we have those, but for the most part, I would say we're pretty easygoing. Like we go with the flow together really well. I think that's different than, like you said, John, like fighting, trying to find something to fight about. Yeah. What's an example, do you think, of something? If if you're going to have something that never gets resolved, what's an example of something that's okay and healthy mm. that's never going to get resolved versus this? needs to get resolved or I can't be in this partnership anymore. Those like non-negotiables and Yeah, so I think it, I think examples of things that may not get resolved are personality traits. Like we're just talking about extrovert introvert, yeah. things that you have to accept about the person that you don't want to change because it's not your love um, languages. Yeah, so you can't resolve them, right? Mm-hmm. Like you you can't force someone to be a certain way. I do think at the same time there is stretch, right? So mm-hmm. If say you're into, you know, kinky shit and your partner is not, it doesn't mean that you're, it doesn't mean that you both have to stay on the, on your side of the thing. Maybe it means there's some kind of compromise in the middle, right? So both of you stretch. Yeah. Both of you stretch. Right. So I think compromise is required, but not compromise of self. So if you were into, you know, let's say some crazy kink and bondage and stuff, you might have to go more toward the middle, but at the same time, you shouldn't, um, sacrifice who you are, what turns you on, what, you you know, like what kind of like what you're into. And the Mm -hmm. other person shouldn't suddenly be, you know, wanting to get hogtied and crazy, (laughs) crazy stuff. But, um, but maybe she would be open to experimenting a little bit. Right. And so I think friendships, family relationships, intimate relationships, they're all about some kind of compromise, some kind of stretch, you know, here's what I will say to kind of add to that is that We talk about this too in the book, actually, this idea of, and this is a practice that I've not only done myself, but I've done with a lot of clients of sitting down and and it might not be in one sitting, but sitting down and doing what we call the preferences versus non-negotiables list. Listen, we all have a base of things that technically should, and as a therapist, I don't usually use that word, but should be on our non-negotiables, things like physical violence, emotional abuse, stuff like this, right? So let's just assume that for the most part, we've all got that on our non-negotiables. The rest of that list, whether it's your preferences or non-negotiables, is going to be different for each person. And that's okay, right? And also your list can change as you grow and evolve and maybe date other people and realize like, oh, I thought that was a non-negotiable, but maybe it's actually just a preference or vice versa. But having that list, at least not necessarily established like it's in stone, but at least like having some kind of understanding of what that is for you can be really helpful because 
if you are in a relationship with somebody and let's say that thing that you don't agree on is a non-negotiable because maybe it is for maybe it's sex for me. Maybe what John just used as an example actually is on my non-negotiables list. Like I don't I don't know how I would word it if it was, but like I don't do kink, right? Like that's just not my thing and I'll never do it. If I feel so strongly about that that it's on my non-negotiables list, that's okay. I don't need to explain that or justify that to anybody, but I also need to hold myself accountable and say if I'm three or four dates in with this person and I realize that that's something that they're into, it's not to judge them or to blame them, but it's to say, I got to hold myself accountable and let that person go because otherwise I might be compromising self. So right. I think it can vary depending on the person and like what that list looks like for you. But I think you have to really hold yourself, like hold your own feet to the fire on it. By the way, yeah. Lindsay, in case you're wondering, I have no interest in sex dungeon or anything like that. <laughs> Maybe a sex closet. No be, judgment like if you did. Yeah, you, went there, you went there a couple times. <laughs> no judgment. But <laughs> something that you brought up, Vanessa, is love languages, or maybe it was John. Like, if that's a non negotiable, a question that I get a lot, and then I want to go back to the third thing on the, on the signs you might be dating the wrong person list. But something I get a lot is the question of, you know, my significant other will not tell, like, use words of affirmation and that's my love language. Mm -hmm. How do I get them to, you know, tell me I'm pretty more or tell me I did a good job at work more or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you can't, like, I don't know. I feel like you can do a lot of things. You can get a guy to like get, get you flowers if you want by telling them like, Oh, flowers are so nice. I love when I get flowers. But it's harder to be like, I like when somebody compliments me. Can you do that? Like, it's just not as natural. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. So problem. we have that problem. Or, or I don't know if it's a problem, but uh, we struggle with that. I'm words of affirmation and Vanessa's acts of service. Right. And we have this joke that if I write her name in the sky, she would ask how much that costs. Right. <laughs> and um, <laughs> in most of my relationships, I've always written love notes and, you know, on the back of lunch boxes, just, you know, slipping things. And I don't do that as much here because it's not the way that she like it would go further if I did the dishes. Right. It would go further mm -hmm. if I got the car washed or made her life easier. So, yes, you're right in that you can't tell someone, OK, I need you to be more uh, words of affirmation. But what you can do is say, hey. Here's how I tend to give and receive love. Here's how I'm I'm kind of wired and what works for me. Tell me what works for you. And 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 maybe we can both swim toward that a little bit, you know? Again, stretching yourself, right? Yeah. And so if my knee jerk is to say that she's beautiful, of course I could say that. Mm -hmm. But if I know that acts of service goes further with her, the work for me would be to make her life easier, to go run an errand, to go get dinner ready. You know what I'm saying? And so that would be my stretch. And then on her side, she would put notifications in her phone, reminders to say that John is sexy. I do. That's actually a thing that I do. <laughs> not even a joke. Like as unsexy as that is, as the person who does struggle with words of affirmation, whose partner is words, what I've realized is that I can write it. I can write the words. I have a really hard time looking you in the eye and getting vulnerable like that. Like it's tough for me. But here's the thing, going back to what you were saying about like, how do I get my partner to do this? You know, listen, John and I've had many conversations where it's been like, this is what makes me feel loved. Like, it's important to me that I feel desired, that I feel sexy, that I feel whatever. And mm -hmm. it's not that he's saying you have to do this thing. But when you come to somebody and you have a vulnerable conversation in that way, right? Like, this is what how it makes me feel. And this is why it's important to me versus like, God, can't you just tell me I'm pretty once in a while, right? Which is a very different way to talk about something. 
me as the partner on the receiving end of that, I want my partner to feel loved. Of course I do. I want my partner to feel desired and I want them to feel it in the way that it makes the most sense for them, right? Right. And so what does that look like for me? Well, for me, I have a notification in my phone. Every three to four days, it goes off and reminds me to give John words of affirmation. And that might not be sexy, but guess what? If I didn't do that, it would just slip over my head because I, I would never think to do it, right? And it's still uncomfortable every three days when I get that notification. I've got to like swallow a lump in my throat and really think about it and go and do it. And I know, I mean, I'm sure I know that John wishes it were easier, but I'm trying, right? And I mm-hmm. and I do it. Like what is 10 minutes of discomfort for me every three to four days if I know that my partner is feeling loved and valued in exchange, right? And we're not talking about me doing something to use John's words where I feel like I'm, you know, abandoning myself. I'm not doing something that's like against my morals or anything like that. But when it comes to something as quote unquote simple as love languages, what's a few minutes of discomfort, right? And that's how we do it. But I I agree with you, Lindsay. Well, first of all, that notification thing hasn't gone off in weeks, but I agree with you. (laughs) I agree with you because I think what you're saying is if you have to ask for it, it, then it doesn't mean as much, right? Like if I have to ask for her to kiss me, when she kisses me, it doesn't mean as much. I almost don't want it because it's not, she's not it's not coming from her. Right. So if I have to ask for her to say, can you tell me I'm attractive? It doesn't mm-hmm. land. It's a, well, okay. Well, I had to tell you that. So it doesn't. Right. Mean but this is the thing that we hear from. I mean, we hear this from clients all the time. This is like the never ending story of like, I don't want to ask for my needs to be met. I want somebody to just know that I have a need to meet them. I mean, this is like, everybody has this core you know, look, a lot of this is like reparenting work. I don't want to get too deep on it here, but a lot of this is like we grew up wanting a parent, a parental figure to see us and know who we were and acknowledge us and understand us and get us. And a lot of us didn't get that. And even some of us who did might not have gotten it as much as we would have liked. And so then we grow up and we almost project that onto our partners. Like, I want this person to know me so well that they can read my mind. That's not realistic. You have to ask for your needs to be met, period. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Does it suck sometimes? Yes. But that is for life. That's what you're going to have to do because this parent, this person isn't your parent. And even if they were, the parent still didn't give it to you. So it, it is, it really goes deep because a lot of this, like wanting somebody to meet my needs without me having to ask it is like, it's so much more traced back to like the, the childhood stage than we would even like to believe or want to believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Mm-hmm. And then the last sign of dating that you might be dating the wrong person is if space, if the space created can't handle growth. Mm. And this one I feel like is the most important one because when you meet someone a lot of the time, especially if you meet them a little bit younger, you might be one person. And then, you know, three years in, even two years in, maybe five years in, maybe one person is growing, the other person is not. And so how do you know that the space created cannot handle growth from one end or maybe both? Because you start uh, what they say, outgrowing your partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, drift is created. If you've done everything you can to work on the relationship and you find that you're starting to break up with yourself, that may be a sign. So this happens a lot. I think younger, like late 20s, when people start turning the corner, looking inward, you know, 30s, and then they start looking for uh, things in their partner that are like, you know, tools, not just apps and pretty eyes, but Mm -hmm. like, can this person hold a safe space? Can this person 
you know, fight in a healthy way, all of that stuff. And so as we become more picky, it gets harder. And then we have to find people who are on the same path because if you're not, it's going to be lopsided. And, you know, it's like flying a plane with one wing. Mm -hmm. But I guess, and all that makes a lot of sense, but it's like, let's say that I'm this person in this situation, right? How do I know that I've done everything? Mm -hmm. How do I know that it's now time to walk versus this is an amazing person and maybe that they're giving me as much to their potential as they can to create this space. Those right? two things but, don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? Like this person mm-hmm. can be an amazing person who's giving you all that they can. And that's still, you still might need to walk. Like that doesn't, it's not necessarily about them. Sometimes that's about you. Right. And so I just want to say that, but yeah, I don't think you ever really know. It's not like a, it's not like, you know, getting a letter grade or, you know, I, I think a lot of times, cause I I've made decisions where I didn't fully know. And I don't know, but you just live with them knowing that you've taken something from that relationship, you know, because this is a question, it's an important question I get all the time. time. Like, how do you know it's over? How do you know when, you know, when, and I think you wake up one day and you just realize that the drift has been so far, there's no turning back, that the relationship probably isn't repairable. And you got to be really honest with yourself because people can say, people can use that as an excuse to not really do any work, right? So if you've never done therapy or if you guys have never gone to couples and you're already saying, oh, it's not going to work, we've done everything, then you're lying because you haven't done everything. Maybe having Mm -hmm. a third party would be the thing. Yeah, but if you've done therapy, if you've gone to couples counseling, if you guys have read books and had conversations and really have stretched and it's still not working and if the relationship isn't honest to you and people are just growing in different ways then I just say that that relationship has expired. Here's what I'll use as a a personal example to build on what you said, John, is I coming out of the relationship that I did leave it. And I know I knew then and I still know now that I did everything that I could. And so when I did walk Mm -hmm. away, I was like, I was confident in my walking away because I, I had not left any stone unturned. If I can say I've done everything I can do, That in itself should almost be enough, meaning it's not about the other person, right? So it's not like, well, this would work out if only the other person would do, say, grow in this way, et cetera, et cetera. You have no control over that, right? Now, Mm -hmm. you can express it to that person. So with my ex, did I express to him, I really think we need to go to couples. I think it would make a big difference. Yes. Did we go after a lot of arguing about it? Yes. We went two times. And then he said, "Eh, I don't really think this is doing anything. Right. That's his choice. I don't get Mm -hmm. to drag him. I don't get to decide for him. But guess what that was? That was information for me. That was information for me about not only his capacity, but what he was willing to do, the growth he was willing to do or not do. And so I had to take that at face value. This is the information he's giving to you. Do with it what you will. So I knew that I had done everything I could do, but it wasn't about him. So at the end of the day, I walked away and I said, you know what? I feel okay knowing I tried every avenue. I asked for what I needed and some of it didn't get met for whatever reason, not because he was a bad guy, but because he didn't have the capacity. Okay. Then I know that I can walk away. So I think there's that component too, right? I think a lot of times I hear from people, well, but if they would only do X, Y, and Z, this relationship would be perfect. 
just to confuse you some more, I think the backfiring of did I really do everything I can can cause someone to stay in a relationship for too long. Totally. So many people, right. because they're so hard on themselves and they really want to leave doing everything they can. And of course, that's noble and you should do that. You're so hard on yourself that you're in it for two, three, four more years. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I should have left, you know. But I do think that yeah. in that scenario, sometimes that doing more is like you have to ask yourself, am I doing more than my 50%? Because I do think that sometimes when people stay, and I can say this about myself too, when you've stayed two, three years longer than you should have, because I did, I think that two, three years longer that I, I shouldn't have stayed, that was spent on doing more than my 50% and right, begging exactly. him to do more. And that was mm -hmm. what took up that time. If I could go back now, I would say like, no, 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 I did my 100%. That's enough. This person has shown me what their capacity is. I have to take it at face value and walk away. You're 100% of the 50%. Yes, right? yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Math. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, guys. I mean, that was so much amazing information for people who might be questioning. Before we wrap up, I want to do a quick rapid fire poll question. Yeah. We do these on the story for our Instagram for Women at Acme. So these are just fun. One quick answer. So try not to explain the answer just a quickie red flag or deal breaker if your significant other snores loudly red flag you're asking which one yeah I'd say neither earplugs yeah earplugs <laughs> upper bedrooms your holiday party office holiday party is the same night as your new significant other's birthday which one do you go oh, to birthday mm -hmm. i don't have no? an answer i'm like Ugh. you would pick your office party over a over my birthday yeah, no birthday, I guess. That's horrible. <laughs> That's the fuck. <laughs> the introvert, I'm like, ah. Uh. Now, now, if you, you guys have birthday or anniversary that. or something, then uh -huh. you know, but an office party? That's the extrovert in her... <laughs> Yeah, Look, she wants the party. That, that's the that's the FOMO kicking in because she would rather uh -huh. be in a group talking about her uh, punch recipes than hanging out with her intimate partner doing something very uh, sexy. I totally, I totally got it. That, that was more than one. If word, someone, sorry. If, if someone you're going on a date with is from blank, can you mention that you've spent a lot of time there because that's where your ex is from? Yes, mention. No, don't. I mean, this is hard to say without just without giving some context. Like, depends on how long you've known this person. If it's the first date, then no, don't mention it. Yeah, I would mm -hmm. ask why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If your ex was posted on one of those "Are we dating the same guy?" pages, should you comment your tea to warn other people or take the high road and not get involved? No, nah, don't get involved. Yeah, always take the high road. None of your business. Mm hmm. Do you still do something to celebrate Halloween? Yes or no? Hell yeah. I'm going as... Don't explain. Slasher. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Is it often better to address when a friend hurts your feelings or let a friendship fizzle? No. Address. Express. Address. Address. Express, always. Yeah, always. Mm. The harder thing to do. Okay. And lastly... If you're, is it, okay, is it cheating if you're flirting with someone who's in a relationship and the person in a relationship says something like, well, if I wasn't in a relationship? No, yes. it's not cheating. Wait. Is it cheating? No, that's not cheating. Like of the person in a relationship to be like, well, if I wasn't in a relationship, like. I mean, it's risky, but it's not cheating. No, she's saying that if yeah. you actually. Is it like betrayal? If She's saying if you actually get together with someone in a rela no, relationship. No, 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 she's no, no. If you say, if you're like, you're in a relationship, you're flirting with someone and you say to them. Oh, if I you say, oh, well, if I wasn't in a relationship. Oh, this mm -hmm. actually happened to me. 
Oh, I can't. I can't. No, explain just it. say it's yes great. or no. Is yeah. it cheating? It's not cheating. It's not cheating. Wait, it happened to you in which direction? When I was married, someone said this right in front of my face. Some guy said, oh, man, if I wasn't married, you would be like my one. Oh, I, to her? I, to her. I don't think he even knew we were together, but he said that in front of her. Yeah, but that's not cheating. <gasps> yeah, cheating feels like a, a bold statement. Well, 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 she, wait, she, wait, wait, she's saying, is it cheating on his part? Because yeah, the person who's saying it is that cheating. right, right. It's a bold statement. It's hurtful. It's very, it, Maybe it, the intention is, is, is almost on the borderline of cheating. Yeah, right? but I, like, yeah, the, the intention is, is but there's no action involved. Yeah. But I think I, if I heard that my husband said that to someone, I would be like, fuck you. I'd be that pissed. Hell yeah. Disgusting. We'd have a conversation about it and figure out what the oh, fuck's yeah. going on. But it's, I wouldn't put it under the category of cheating. You know what I mean? I would, yeah, I wouldn't say it's cheating, but I would say it's betrayal for sure. Yeah, there's yeah. something going on. Like y'all need to be talking mm-hmm. more clearly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you guys leave us with a quote or piece of advice? Maybe something from the book? Yes, we can. Go. You're very definitive about that. I, I, <laughs> You, there's a there's a trash truck coming down the street and we work out of our garage. And so I'm trying to go as, as fast as I can before the trash truck comes. You know, I'm just going to say what I said before that is a big piece in the book is in your relationship or all your relationships, try to understand before trying to be understood. Yeah. Okay. And mine would be to own your 100%. Own your part. You always have a part to own. I don't care what the dynamic is. There's always two people or more. And there's always something that you can own. And, you know, a lot of people get upset when I say this because they feel like I'm victim blaming. But the one of the quickest ways to get yourself out of victimhood is actually to step into ownership. Find something, find a part that you can use as growth. Yeah, I love that because you can only control yourself at the end of the day. Guys, where can everybody find you, follow you and read your book? Book is wide. Uh, It's not me. It's you. It's not me. It's you. And at The Angry Therapist Social. Across everything. I'm Vanessa S. Bennett on Instagram and on TikTok. I'm on the Coda Yoda. <laughs> cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lindsay. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.